This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. 2018 champ, Ethan Hamilton. And tonight we are previewing week 11 of the NFL Slate 2020. But first, a few housekeeping notes. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. Again, that's dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. We're also nearing the trade deadlines in everyone's leagues, and if you have a lineup or trade valuation question, please contact us. We'd love to go through it. But with that, are you ready to get into week 11? Uh, We only have a couple of weeks left here before the playoffs. I'm ready to go. Absolutely. This is what has this you is excited this week? I would say uh, the game we're going to start out with and the game that's going on really soon is uh, Cardinals Seahawks. Yeah, that's definitely given how the first matchup went. Uh, probably most people's game of the week. Uh, it's not necessarily mine, more or less, just because it's kind of early in the week. But I think there are a lot of great fantasy implications going on. This is really the dividing line very rarely do you get some of these playoff matchups that go like to the last game of the year we already have four out of the uh, six positions in our dynasty league have been locked up a lot of the spots in uh, our uh, office redraft league have been locked up and so you're really getting the separation that late game where you're pretty much getting the look of what your team's going to be going into the playoffs and that's what has me really excited right now is, is all these teams are really coming into form. You know exactly what they're going to be as we kind of move into that um, space and what uh, possibilities are going to be open for the playoffs going forward yet. All right, uh, let's get into the game we just mentioned. Cardinals at Seahawks. This one's about to take place. We're doing this about a half hour before game time right now. So by the time we're done with this uh, recording, the game will have been on or at least started. So you might get a couple of live reactions during the course of the show, which is might be kind of fun. But uh, Chris Carson is out for this game. Carlos Hyde was already uh, taken off the injury report list. He's going to play. Tyler Lockett was likely. I didn't see the late game status for him, although it looked like he was full go in practice this week. And from what I can tell, pretty much all of the Cardinals are healthy. So for the most part, we should have just about everybody for this game. But this is featuring two of the top wide receivers currently in the league, DK Metcalf, New Hopkins. We're coming off of uh, really sick plays the last couple of weeks by both of these guys in some capacity or another. And I guess, who do you think is going to have the better night? Um, For me... It took a little bit of thinking and diving into because they're both exceptional talents. Uh, You can't argue that – I mean, you can argue Nuke being the number one. Uh, There's a lot of good wide receivers in the league, but I don't think you can argue that DK is the next guy up. Um, Arizona, they give up the eighth most points, and we all know how bad Seattle is. They give the second most points to wide receivers. So I am actually going to go with Nuke Hopkins because I just think that uh, the Seattle defense is just so terrible. 
I know Patrick Peterson isn't who he used to be um, a couple of years ago, but that's still better than anybody that Seattle has on that side of the ball, especially with Buda Baker too. He's kind of like a hybrid. He can do a little bit of everything. So I'm going to go with New Hopkins and the Arizona Cardinals. So first off, the top two cornerbacks for the Seattle Seahawks are likely to be out for this game. So that does affect things. And they were terrible even when those guys were playing. Nuke already had a good game the first time these teams played. DK had only two catches for, I think, 28 yards in the first matchup. Now, I do expect him to have a little bit better game, and it's possible he goes off. But give me the team that is uh, poorer at defense and the wide receiver going against the better matchup in this one, especially with the hotter quarterback. Kyler Murray's been outplaying Russell Wilson the last few weeks. I think this is a, a game where that comes to fruition uh, yet again. And also the unknown, uh, I guess, X factor. The Arizona Cardinals, while they're really bad between the 20s, uh, is an exceptional red zone defense right now. And so they've been allowing a lot less touchdowns in that, that department. So unless DK you know, really gets one or two really long touchdowns, I would expect for Nuke to have the better game. I got a question for you. Um, sure. Who would you rather have for the remainder, say for the next five to five to seven years, Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson? Well, we both know that. So DK is likely to be locked down uh, in the near future. He's still on his rookie deal. And so that's going to help a little bit. Seattle's defense is also not likely to be rectified anytime soon, so they're going to be throwing the ball. But Murray, with his goal line ability, I haven't seen anybody stop him yet. Boy, it's almost a coin toss. If if you're just simply talking about five to seven years, Russell Wilson, I think, is like 31, 32, somewhere in that range. So right. he's likely to be playing. I'll default to the younger guy. At this point, I think I would go with Murray for five to seven, even though I think Wilson will likely be playing. And it's just simply that at a certain point, Russell Wilson's legs are going to not be the same that you're going to get five years from now yet from Kyler. Uh, Kyler's done a really good job. And I don't think it's any coincidence that three of the top, I don't know, five quarterbacks in the league are all former baseball players and they know how to avoid contact. They know how to slide. If you're not aware, Patrick uh, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray were all big baseball players. But the the simple fact is, is I don't worry about Kyler Murray taking the big shot that always uh, seemed to follow certain guys like Lamar Jackson or Michael Vick. Mike, yeah, I was going to uh, say Mike Vick took some big hits. Yeah, wow. or even Robert Griffin. You know, when he yep. early broke onto the scene, he he took some really massive shots. That isn't really the case with Kyler Murray, and he's been so fast that uh, he's able to elude a lot of the the potential issues that usually come with some of those big hits that you worry about, those mobile quarterbacks. I think they've been smarter about that as things have gone along in kind of avoiding that uh, as a potential issue. Uh, so the other one I thought about for this game we pretty much know what uh, we can expect from a fantasy perspective. You're pretty much locking in most of your starters. But the question has kind of been open right now as to the Cardinals running back situation. I've been a lot higher. I've been beating the drum for uh, Chase Edmonds the last few weeks. I guess in a 
really good matchup, even though the Seahawks are a little bit better against the run than they are against the pass. Who would you expect to have the bigger game, Kenyon Drake or Chase Edmonds, with the notion that Chase Edmonds is pretty much the passing back and Kenyon Drake is pretty much turned into the rushing down back? That's exactly why I'm going to go with Chase Edmonds, because I think this turns into a shootout. And I feel like the last person that has the ball in this game is going to win the game. So I'm going to go Chase Edmonds just because I think he'll get a little bit more work than Kenyon Drake. I think because receptions comes into it, we're not in a complete PPR league. But if you're in a PPR league, this one should be pretty obvious. And I know that ESPN was kind of talking about it today that Kenyon Drake is kind of similar at this point to how we talk about Damian Harris or any of these other guys that have no real passing down value. Josh Jacobs, to a certain extent, Nick Chubb, he's just a lesser version at this point because they're just not involving him at all in the passing game. And it's become a Chase Edmonds type thing where because of his passing down value, especially if you're in a PPR setting, uh, he's just going to have a better uh, overall output. All right, let's move to the weekend's games. Uh, Bye weeks for this week. It is the last week for bye weeks. So uh, we thankfully won't have to deal with that um, X factor coming up. Still going to have to deal with injuries. Uh, Obviously, we have a lot of guys still sitting out, but the Bills, Bears, Giants, and 49ers are serving their bye week holdover this week. So take that into consideration when setting your lineups. The first game up, though, that we're going to talk about from Sunday, Eagles at Browns. This is projected to be another sloppy Cleveland game. Uh, There's a high chance of rain, and uh, this is going to favor well to the running games of both teams, something that they both kind of did well last weekend, the Browns in a win, the Eagles in a loss. So we have three guys that were drafted pretty high, probably first, second, third rounds, uh, all among them, Uh, all guys that had pretty decent weeks uh, on the ground last week. But who would you want for this game out of these three backs? Kareem Hunt, uh, Miles Sanders, or Nick Chubb? For me, I'm going to go Miles Sanders, and the reason is because Cleveland has two running backs. Philadelphia really only has one. If it was just one of them, like Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt, that was just going up against Miles Sanders, like the other one was hurt or something like that, it would be a different question for me. But for right now, I'm going to go Miles Sanders because he's the only guy. Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they have to split carries, but they're still going to get their points. We've shown that they're both – they've shown – that they're both fantasy relevant when both uh, when their partner in crime is healthy. So I, I they're both capable of it, but I'm still going to go Miles Sanders just because he's the only guy. I don't think either defense is necessarily great against the run right now. I know the Eagles had a reputation for it in the last few years, but that's not really proven out for the course of this season. I'm going to go with Nick Chubb, although I think this is kind of a coin flip between all three of them. I I think very easily you could get any one of these guys who ends up finishing out. But just take the guy who's been the most dominant when he's actually played and gotten a volume of carries. And I expect in the slop and um, the mess that is going to be Sunday's game in Cleveland, I would guess that he's the most likely of those three that uh, can ground and pound and really create an effect on, on the outcome of the game. Uh, But this is also featuring two quarterbacks that really have had down years when it comes to turnovers, uh, Carson Wentz and Baker Mayfield. 
And I think the essence of this game is not only one on the ground, but ultimately who, which of these two quarterbacks makes less mistakes. So who for you either makes less or more turnovers, Carson Wentz or Baker Mayfield? Man, uh, you know, they've both kind of been pretty bad, as you've stated um, earlier. But I'm going to go Carson Wentz. He leads the league in interceptions with 12. And I think he has four fumbles as well. He has at least 16 turnovers. Baker Mayfield only has seven interceptions. Uh, He's just had a couple of really, really bad games. Uh, I was beating the table on Carson Wentz, as you know, earlier in the year. And I still think he's capable. Like, we've seen MVP potential from Carson Wentz. Just this year, something something is not clicking. And we know that his team has been battling injuries. We know that his team, his line has not been healthy. I don't think he's had the same line for three games this year. I think he's trying to do too much. And I think it's getting him into trouble. You see, he's not taking the easy play. He's not even taking sacks. He's trying to force the ball into situations where it just really shouldn't be. But like I said, I think he's a good quarterback. He's young, and I think his future is still really bright. But this year, you know, I'm, I've gotten pretty close to dropping Carson Wentz off of my, off of my team. But his future is the thing that keeps him on it. I think the game script, if I were to basically predict one out, with the weather that's predicted and kind of the styles of the team that's going to be involved, I expect the Browns to pretty well pound the ball early and kind of take the lead and really be physical with the Eagles and try and dominate this game, which means that Wentz is going to have to play more catch-up the rest of the game because they're really slow starters or have been traditionally this season. So that usually means Carson Wentz is going to be forcing more throws. He's going to have to be more aggressive in, um, you know, longer down distance uh, situations where he's going to get a lot of pressure. So that would be my guess is that ultimately he's going to have to make more throws and more situations than Baker Mayfield, who the ball is likely to be taken out of his hands a lot more, as we kind of mentioned on our recap the other day. Let's go to Falcons at Saints. Calvin Ridley is questionable for this game, but that's really the only big injury question. Uh, Obviously, Drew Brees is out for this game. Jameis Winston is going to likely be the starter. Uh, I think we're definitely going to see a lot more sprinkled in uh, Taysom Hill and some kind of unusual gadget plays in this one. But the Falcons usually play the Saints tough, and they've been a hot team as of late. So one of the big questions that I have going into this one is when we're going to see the real Michael Thomas kind of take back over. We haven't seen him this year, even in the few games that he has played. He's getting a decent matchup against a beaten up Falcon secondary. And you have Jameis Winston, who has a little bit bigger arm. They're probably looking for easier throws to somebody like Michael Thomas for him to make. What do you think? Is this the week we get Michael Thomas back? Jameis Winston is a quarterback that likes to push the ball down the field. Michael Thomas is a wide receiver that really doesn't isn't known for stretching the field. So maybe that changes now that Drew Brees is hurt. I still don't know if Jameis Winston's game brings out the most out of Michael Thomas. But now that I say that, I think back on Jameis Winston and Chris Godwin, and Chris Godwin thrived with uh, Jameis Winston. 
And I can kind of, I kind of compare the two games of Michael Thomas and Chris Godwin, not so much talent level, but the two games that they have. So, you know, maybe, maybe we do get the Michael Thomas game back because I do think that Jameis Winston can bring a different element to this team in the passing game. I do not think he's a better quarterback than Drew Brees, but I, he will take more chances. We saw that last year. He led the league in interceptions, but he was also up there in touchdowns as well. Cause he was, he was pushing the ball down the field. So I would not be surprised if we saw a Michael Thomas comeback game. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it in a different way than what he's typically used to doing, where he's just kind of a reception machine. Now, we've seen Drew Brees out before. If you remember back to last season, he missed a significant portion of the first half of the season. And that was when Michael Thomas was at his absolute peak, was when Teddy Bridgewater was in. They schemed a lot of easy throws for Teddy Bridgewater that involved Michael Thomas. And I would expect somewhat of the same game plan. But Jameis Winston is a aggressive thrower that, as you mentioned, is going to probably throw down the field a little bit more, opens up their game plan a little bit. I would expect more involvement for people like Jared Cook, who's going to stretch the seam from the tight end position, um, possibly Emmanuel Sanders, who still you know, is a, a bit of a deep threat. I think it actually uh, expands their ability of what they can do on offense. The one question I would have We've seen a lot of checkdowns this season to Elvin Kamara. He's had a ton of targets. He's been getting involved in the passing game. But if you're getting a Jameis Winston who is not prone to checkdowns, is that going to significantly take away one of the best assets that Elvin Kamara has? I mean, if we even think back to last week when Drew Brees got hurt, Elvin Kamara did not have a lot of yardage against the 49ers. Uh, ultimately on the ground. I think he had eight carries for 15 total yards. Now, he did get get a couple of rushing goal line touchdowns, but his big asset to the game was eventually his uh, receiving levels where he had eight catches in that game. So I think that might be the one thing that I'm still curious about, how the Saints kind of move forward with that one. We pretty much know what the identity of this, the Falcons is going to be now that they're completely healthy and Moving forward, I would expect that to continue to be the same. I do think this is a much more competitive game actuality than it might look on paper. And so uh, I'm very curious how this one's going to turn out, especially this is one of the more intriguing early games. Let's move to Bengals at the Washington football team, which we may need to get to say uh, a lot longer. Apparently, We could go into a long diatribe and rant over why they're going to potentially long-term and permanently affix their team with the Washington football team. That's kind of awesome. That's kind of (laughs) awesome. I don't know why, but for some reason, I think that's kind of awesome. This is the first I'm hearing of it. This is the first they, they are of it. That's legitimately seriously considering doing that. But <laughs> that aside, the Bengals had a tough week against the Steelers last week. The uh, Washington football team had to make a valiant comeback, but ultimately lost on the road in Detroit. Joe Mixon is still not practicing. I would not expect him to play in this game. But we're featuring two guys, two young receivers that have really made a name. One that's a rookie, another guy that's in his second year, who are playing for quarterbacks that have been decent at one time or another, uh, either this year or years previous. And they've both had really good 
statistical outputs as we've kind of continued on in this season. So I'm going to ask this question, given that their youth and all of the other context you want to take into it. If I gave you either T. Higgins or Terry McLaurin in Dynasty Rich right now and said you could have one or the other, which one would you take? This one's kind of funny for me because I was not necessarily high on either of these wide receivers when they came out. So then to see them be as successful as they are, as quickly as they are, um, I'm really happy for them. I really, really am. That being said, I think I would rather take F1 McLaurin because he has played with so many different quarterbacks, but his production has not really dropped off. You know, T. Higgins, he has a quarterback in Joe Burrow that he'll probably have if he stays in Cincinnati for probably for his entire career. And he has been super productive with Joe Burrow, but we don't know what he is without Joe Burrow. And I'm not saying like Joe Burrow made him or anything like that. What I'm saying is I feel more comfortable throwing out McLaurin just because I know that he can do it consistently at a high level no matter who is under center. So right now, I w- before you started, I was going to say I would take T. Higgins because his quarterback situation is more known. I think if you could tell me that Washington is going to end up basically losing out the rest of their season and that they're going to get Justin Fields or they're going to get Trevor Lawrence or whomever of these top quarterbacks, the guy from BYU uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, or the the guy from North Dakota state, who's only going to play one game this entire season. You know, Mm -hmm. if you could tell me that he's going to upgrade at that, you know, maybe that's a different situation. I think actually Alex Smith is an improvement on Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen right now. And he would have been the normal starter if not for the fact that he had to go through like 27 surgeries on his leg. I mean, that's just, it's still somewhat incomprehensible that he's playing. But I think to a certain extent, you've convinced me that Higgins has a a little bit more limited ceiling. So if you want the guy that really could explode, the fact that McLaurin's been doing that without a big quarterback, and if he ends up getting that guy at some point, and it's a quarterback, one wide receiver, one marriage, kind of like we have with uh, DK and Wilson, or that we had with Nuke and uh, Watson, now we have with Murray and Nuke, that we have with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, like we used to have in the day with uh, Brady and Moss, or Harrison and Manning, or Demarius Thomas and Manning, or any of these guys. I always look at that quarterback position and how it's going to define the receiver. I think both of these guys are going to have really good short-term careers for right now. I'm going to only define it in the next three to five years because I, I really do believe in Burrow and Higgins and what they're building in Cincinnati, at least offensively. Obviously they're going to need to take care of some defensive issues. Uh, their offensive line needs to completely be re-upgraded. Uh, but I I believe in the process of what they're doing and what they're building. And Higgins has really proven that he's going to be Burrow's top target. But McLaurin has been doing it for two years with really crappy quarterbacks. I just hope that if he does get a big quarterback that can really um, spin it, that his value just goes up exponentially. 
even though neither of these guys, unfortunately, is on my team. All right, uh, the other big question, a guy that's been a top 20 running back the last three weeks, he's had 29 targets in the last two weeks, J.D. McKissick, who we've talked about a, a few different times on the show the last couple of weeks, how many targets do you expect now that he's playing with the checkdown master that is Alex Smith? He hasn't met a checkdown that he doesn't like. Oh, no. He loves a checkdown. Um, and this guy is a checkdown machine. So I think he's going to get a lot. If you – let me ask you, over under eight targets for J.D. McKissick. Easy over? Yeah. He's going to so, get double digits. Okay. See, that's what I, I was originally going to say, that I wouldn't be surprised if he got double digits because I really wouldn't. Uh, he, that's where he makes most of his money. He's not really a rushing running back. He's a receiving back. So, yeah, I would say he's going to get at least eight. He's a guy that also played wide receiver in college, so he's got some abilities to line up in a lot of different positions. And I think that in this day and age where we got a lot of different skill position versatility, he's a guy that uh, they're going to try and use in whatever way possible. But I can't think, honestly, of a better marriage than Philip Rivers and Austin Eckler. Right now, Alex Smith and J.D. McKissick might be pretty close. Lions at Panthers is our next game on the list. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater and Mike Davis have both been limited in practice this week. Christian McCaffrey is listed as out. Yeah, I I say that as a bit of a question mark. They kind of tweeted that out last night, then they withdrew it. And there's been some question marks, but we really don't expect him to play. So I wouldn't be banking on it. But with Mike Davis kind of out with a thumb injury, I, we don't know his potential effectiveness. Obviously, if if there was a week for Mike Davis to get right over the last you know four or five weeks, uh, obviously discounting the one game that Christian McCaffrey was playing a couple of weeks ago against the Chiefs, but this would be the matchup. The Lions are, I think, the worst team in football at uh, fantasy value against running backs right now. They just got owned two weeks ago by Dalvin Cook. They had some really uh, troubling stats against the uh, Washington running backs last week in Antonio Gibson and uh, the aforementioned uh, J.D. McKissick. But I guess Galladay uh, hurt himself again in practice. He was held out or he re-aggravated something. And um, DeAndre Swift, who was going to have a really good matchup. The Panthers' run defense clearly got shredded last week. He is now in the concussion protocol as well. So it kind of changes how we discuss this game. And I guess I wonder what you can count on for fantasy value in this one. The Panthers are a better-than-average passing defense, and you really need to run the football against them. Is this a weird Adrian Peterson throwback game, or I guess— what are you expecting to see out of this game? This is going to be, yeah, a really gross game, I would say. Um, but maybe we see more um, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. Maybe because Mike Davis has been struggling. But then you did say, you know, that Teddy Bridgewater was limited. I guess that's banking on if he plays. So honestly, I right. really don't know what to expect. I, I would expect a lot of people that we don't have on any fantasy teams in the league will score some touchdowns. I think it will probably just not be a fantasy relevant game. I think there's somebody going to be fantasy relevant, but you're really going to have to monitor the injury report and 
maybe the Sunday morning fantasy shows to kind of be sure who is going to get the ball. I mean, it's really going to come down to game time and who's actually going to play more than anything else. Because you have so many big names that are potentially going to be out or affect uh, the fantasy values of everybody else going forward in this game. I expect Bridgewater and Davis to play. Mm -hmm. But... You know, how effective are they going to be? Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a little bit more limited. He's going to be less mobile, likely. Uh, he took a shot on the knee that he didn't injure a couple of years ago. So you at least like that for the the stability of his knees, uh, that he didn't take it again on a, a knee that, like, completely gave out on him a couple of years ago. And we talk about Alex Smith coming back from a really gruesome injury. Bridgewater, similar situation, not obviously breaking his leg, but that that knee injury, he just completely gave out like every uh, ligament in his knee. So I I, I don't know what it's going to be. I really don't know what to predict. I think it, at best, anybody that's playing in this game is only a flex start because I, I with the amount of injury questions, I don't think there's anybody I'm playing with confidence as a starter. Let's go to Steelers at Jaguars. The Steelers have obviously been the best record team in football. They've been playing a lot better uh, in the passing game the last few weeks. The Jaguars were a pesky team against Green Bay last weekend. Uh, they're at home again this week. And we've had kind of the resurgence of a couple of guys that are pretty young uh, moving forward, guys that may or may not be changing teams or changing quarterbacks in the near future. So, Juju Smith-Schuster has been having uh, several really big games. I think he's the only guy to finish in the top five at his position the last three weeks. But DJ Chark was the darling of last year's dynasty pickups, uh, along with Terry McLaurin. And you have to think that the Jaguars, with only one win on the season, are likely going to end up with a new quarterback in the near future. If I were to say you could have either Juju Smith-Schuster, who's coming up on free agency this year and the Steelers may allow to walk, or DJ Chark, which of these two would you prefer going forward in Dynasty? I'm going to go with DJ Chark. Uh, both of these guys are averaging 12 points a game. One has played eight games, one has played nine. The thing for me is with Juju, he's a very, very good wide receiver when there's other very, very good wide receivers around him. He was exceptional when, a or when Antonio Brown was on the team. And then Antonio Brown was gone, and he was the guy, and he didn't answer the call. He had a really, really bad year that year. And then the beginning of this year, he wasn't amazing either. He's really more come on as more focus has gone to Chase Claypool. With DJ Chark, he's the guy. that He's one of the only threats on the Jaguar offense besides James Robinson. But in the passing game, he's the guy. So I would much rather have DJ Chark just because I think he's a better I think he's a better wide receiver than Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju had a really really exceptional rookie year and he blew on to the scene really really fast and he also plays for a very very popular team in the Pittsburgh in the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I think that had a lot to do with the exposure of Juju. I'm not saying he's a bad wide receiver, but I think he needs help in order to have decent years. So I think you've made quite a few points that I would similarly make. I, first off, the Pittsburgh Steelers hashtag Real America's team. Just saying. Uh, number two, 
Uh, I think it's a little bit unfair to question him given the level of quarterback play that they were dealing with last year. Yes, Deontay Johnson had a few games here and there, but really nobody was producing for the Steelers with the level of quarterback play they got last year. The biggest questions for me are going to be DJ Chark has been able to produce with below average quarterbacks, but he's likely to be staying in the Jacksonville system long term, at least you think. Juju's got not only the uncertainty of if he stays in Pittsburgh, how long is Ben going to play? But then also if he goes in free agency, where is he going to end up? I also would project guys that are a little bit bigger, a little bit more physical, have a bigger catch radius to uh, be more favorable to eventual stud status than Juju Smith-Schuster, who's a really good slot receiver. But he reminds me a lot of what Nelson Aguilar was a couple of years ago to the Eagles, but a little bit better version of that. So if you're you're giving me one of these two guys, I agree with you that it's Chark. Let's go to the running backs in this game. Uh, James Conner just burst onto the scene in that year where Le'Veon Bell sat out. He has had a comeback season after he was kind of limited early on uh, by a little bit of an injury bug uh, that he had similar to last season. But he's been pretty consistent up until the last couple of weeks where his targets have definitely decreased. His overall carries uh, or efficiency yards per carry has decreased steadily. Whereas we also have James Robinson, who has been the absolute pickup of the year, uh, the undrafted rookie out of Illinois State, who is number three currently as uh, a running back or running back three for the year. So would you expect James Robinson or uh, James Conner to have the bigger game this weekend? I'm going to go with James Conner, and that's not because I don't think James Robinson is going is a having a decent year I think he's just going to get scripted out I think this one kind of gets nasty pretty early and I just don't think that James Robinson is going to have the amount of rushing attempts that he typically has plus he has to run against that Pittsburgh front and we all know how nasty that Pittsburgh defense is so I'm going to go James Conner just because I think the game script will um will uh, suit him better I'm going to agree with everything you just said, and I'm going to add just one simple thing. Even though both of these guys, or excuse me, James Conner's targets in the passing game have gone down, I haven't really seen James Robinson have any passing targets the last couple of weeks. And that's concerning to me in a game where they're likely to be trailing and they're going to need to be in garbage time points. Let's go to Titans at Ravens. Derrick Henry is going up against probably one of the best rushing defenses uh, in the league, although they just gave up over 120 yards to Damian Harris last weekend in the slop that was that New England game. Does Derrick Henry go over 100 yards this weekend? The Ravens, they give up the ninth fewest points to running backs, and only two running backs this year have gone over 100 yards against the Ravens. I do think Derrick Henry will be running back number three, though. Derrick Henry is the number two rusher in the entire league, just, I think, five or six yards behind Dalvin Cook. So I'm not going to – you don't bet against your studs like that. I think Derrick Henry goes for over 100 yards, and I think he has a touchdown, maybe even two. I'd say one and a half. I think that he's likely to go over 100 yards. I don't know how big of a game he's going to end up having, but it's simply because of two different factors. One – Derrick Henry had over 100 yards last week in the game that the Titans were pretty well out of, but also playing the possible best defense in the league in Indianapolis. 
who is similarly good against the run. So I think that he has a really legitimate shot to beat up on this Ravens team in in the same way. And I think we've seen that somebody can go over 100 yards, obviously even just last weekend, um, a guy that we wouldn't have necessarily expected in Damian Harris. The bigger question for me, as far as that, well, let's let's rephrase it this way. When you're struggling like the Titans have been the last couple of weeks, you are going to focus on the things that you do best and that make you your identity. And for the Titans, that's running Derrick Henry and then play action passing off of that. And so in essence, this is going to be a game that defines the rest of their season and whether or not they're going to be a potential playoff team, whether they have a shot in their division yet, even though they're still tied for the top of their division, they have this game and then they play again, the Colts next weekend, I'm wondering what uh, the Titans are going to come out are. Are they going to be angry? Are they going to be motivated? Or are they still going to be kind of lackadaisical and kind of uh, walk through the game a little bit? Now, the Titans on the other side of the ball have not been very good on defense. They've given up uh, well over um, several hundred yards a game passing-wise. I think they're one of the lowest-ranked defenses against uh, opposing quarterbacks and wide receivers this year. And they're going against probably one of the most disappointing fantasy players all season in Lamar Jackson, particularly given what he did last year, setting the world on fire and creating probably one of the best fantasy seasons of all time. But because of the Titans' um, obvious glaring weakness at defense, can Lamar Jackson be a quarterback one this weekend? Madden curse for Lamar Jackson, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it hasn't been pretty and it's not like it's just bad quarterback play either. It's just, he's just not producing at the level that he was last year. You know, Tennessee, they give up the seventh most points to quarterbacks. And I think they're going to need, or I think Baltimore is going to need Lamar Jackson to be that quarterback one this week. But do I think he can? I don't know that, that Tennessee defense is, is pretty impressive. And I don't think he's your typical type of quarterback so that stat is kind of a little misleading he hasn't been rushing at the same clips he has been and I still don't consider him I I consider him kind of a below average thrower of the football so I'm going to go with no I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to be a quarterback one this weekend I saw that uh he has kind of a hitch in his giddy up most of the season I think he's dealing with something that hasn't really been disclosed not fully. And I, th- I think because of that, it's really limited his ability to get out and run. And I agree, his throwing ability is not um, great, to say the least, which is why I bet against him a bit when I played college fantasy against him as well. You know, he the younger on in the season, his legs would be fresh. As you went along, he took more hits. It clearly had a um, discount on what he was able to do going forward. Yeah, and he takes he takes more hits, too, than Kyler and Russ do. Right. But I think he, he ran double-digit uh, carries last weekend against the Patriots. I like the matchup uh, against the Titans, and I do th- expect both him and Mark Andrews to be top five at their position this weekend i'm going to go out on a limb and it's it's a matter of things one i expect lamar jackson to get back to his rushing value but two there are a lot of the top quarterbacks uh that are 
let's say, having tough matchups. Tom Brady's playing the Rams defense. Um, I know Kyler Murray's playing the Seahawks, so you can basically take that one up. But Aaron Rodgers is uh, playing the Indianapolis defense this weekend, and Josh Allen's sitting out. So I think for him to move up from where he's been about 11 or 12 for the season into the top you know, five or so is really not as far as we think it is going to be my kind of go out on a limb projection for the weekend, but all right, Patriots at Texans. Uh, this is kind of a situation between two, uh, former playoff teams the last season, uh, where they're going to be in rebuilding mode. They're obviously trying to carry over, uh, what they can from the last couple of years. Deshaun Watson is obviously the franchise quarterback for uh, the Texans, but the Patriots are moving on to life after Tom Brady. And it's been rather difficult years for both of these teams. Now, obviously the big factor in this one, new Hopkins left. Uh, the Texans weren't willing to pay him a ton of money. This team is going through a huge transition, but their number one receiver this year and has actually been a really good top 10 receiver for the entire year since he's been healthy, knock on wood. Will Fuller, I know they were trying to trade him at the deadline, potentially to Green Bay. I don't know if they're going to pay him long term. So what do you expect uh, the long term value of both Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson to be since this is a dynasty show? Can I clarify? Is it just for this year or are we talking... It, no, further on. I don't think he's going to be there. I really don't. I think these are his last couple of games with Deshaun Watson. I don't think they're going to pay him. I would tend to agree. You don't rumor mill a guy that you're looking to pay. Right. Uh, I know Deshaun Watson was basically going to um, need as much let's say uh, Prozac as possible had they traded Will Fuller, but given that they weren't going to pay Nuke, I don't think they're going to get too much of a bargain on Will Fuller. And the Texans are going to be in this complete rebuild mode. They're not going to have a lot of high draft picks. They're going to be needing to stack up whatever value or assets they could do. And I think they made a mistake by not trading him at the deadline. Uh, they probably asked a little bit too much in a position of, uh, weakness than they probably should have been in order to get back whatever assets they could try and maintain. But frankly, the Texans have not been good from a pro personnel say, uh, standpoint for about the last two to three seasons. The only bigger question I have, the Patriots have clearly, you know, as for the game on the field, the Patriots have been clearly focused on trying to run the football, take it out of uh, Cam Newton's ability to throw the ball down the field. The Texans have been really terrible against the run. They allowed two 100-yard rushers to the Browns last weekend. So do you think Damian Harris can go over 100 yards against this defense? Yeah, I do, because I think the Patriots, for one, found something that works for them. He's had a pretty good game these last couple of weeks, and I think they're just going to bang on that drum because it's been – it's it's been productive for them. That being said, though, the Texans, they also they give up the third most points to running backs. Six out of the nine teams that they've played have gone over 100 yards rushing. So that's just a couple more reasons why I think Damian Harris is going to go over 100 yards. 
I think the Patriots are going to hand him the ball early and often in this one. And given that it's indoors, you're not dealing with a whole lot of mess. It's going to be really good conditions for them overall. I think that all of the studs in these or in this game uh, are guys worth potentially starting in flex consideration or higher. Obviously, Will Fuller is going to get your start. Sean Watson's likely going to get your start. Uh, I think Davian Harris is kind of on the running back two level this weekend. Uh, you might even think about starting somebody like Jacoby Myers. So the guys that you'd be considering, you know, even Brandon Cooks, I think, takes a small bit of an upgrade. Uh, I don't think we're supposed to get David Johnson back for this game because I think he's on IR. But that uh, basically anybody in this game probably will have a decent fantasy week. Now, Let's David go. David Johnson is hurt? No. No way. Okay, we can move on. Sorry, I just didn't know. <laughs> yeah, okay. <sighs> I have an unsavory joke, but I'm going to save it. Anyway. Dolphins, uh, Broncos. Dolphins at Broncos. Can the Dolphins be a high-scoring fantasy defense once again this weekend against a team that turns the ball over a ton and Drew Locke, who threw four interceptions last weekend? Yeah, um, everything you said there. What I actually saw on Twitter the other day was kind of a breakdown of the Brian Flores defense and how they disguise like their cover zero blitz and everything like that and how they make their cover zero look like almost everything else that they have. I think that Drew Locke is going to have another multiple interception game. What I saw was incredible, like how they keep it all together. So, yeah, I think the Dolphins can have another high-scoring fantasy fantasy day. But the thing that comes with that then is then you get in garbage time. And then that knocks, you know, their score down a little bit. So I think the only thing that could hurt the Dolphins' defense this year, scoring-wise, is going to be garbage time points. But I think they win this game and win it pretty handedly. I think this might be a statement game that the Dolphins aren't a mirage. I know they've beaten some good teams. They just beat Arizona a couple of weeks ago, and they're really vying for the division. I think they uh, play Buffalo the last week of the season yet, and that one is likely going to be for the division as far as I'm concerned. But I think this is a game where they really um, dig into uh, Denver and prove a point that they're one of the top teams to look out for as this season goes along. I mean, we're getting into that it's winning time, you know, that Thanksgiving right around that time where you're really separating the pa- from the pack as to who are the playoff teams and the serious contenders and who aren't. And I think the Dolphins are a serious contender. I agree that this defense is likely to get the better of Drew Locke, who's had a really tough year so far. I think this one gets ugly and that the Dolphins win by at least 20. But this has also been defined by two receivers that, you know, while they've had decent games here or there in spotty weeks, uh, they've been they're younger, good wide receivers. Now, obviously, the Dolphins haven't had to throw a lot the last couple of games. They've been in good down-and-distance situations, very short fields due to their defense. Do you see Devontae Parker or Jerry Judy having the better game going forward? Jerry Judy is by far the better wide receiver, and he's really starting to come into his own, too. I said it last week, or maybe it was earlier this week, where I already think he's one of the top route runners in this league. Um, I think it's going to be Jerry Judy, and I don't think it's particularly close. But another reason for that, too, is 
all the garbage time points. I think they're going to be down and they're going to have to throw the football. So opportunity and him being better, I think, is an easy recipe for me to pick Jerry Judy for having a better game. I think that the Dolphins passing defense might be elite. And despite the garbage time, I'm inclined to say Parker, but because the Dolphins haven't really had to air it out, and I don't expect them to have to do that again in this game, I'm hesitant to say Judy, but I think that I'm going to have to go in that direction. All right, let's go to Jets at Chargers, uh, a matchup of a team that's promising versus a team that's only promising for the number one overall pick this season. This game is somewhat defined by... Uh, as far as fantasy relevance, it's top receivers who end up getting a huge amount of targets when they're healthy and going right. Do you see uh, Keenan Allen or Jamison Crowder having the bigger game this weekend? Keenan Allen. Uh, Keenan Allen has a better quarterback. Uh, Keenan Allen has a better partner on the other side to kind of take take coverage away from him. And Keenan Allen is having by far a better year. Keenan Allen is one of the underrated stars in this league. And it's kind of crazy how he hasn't gotten more respect and more recognition as being one of the top wide receivers. Uh, But for me, it's Keenan Allen pretty easy. I'm going to agree, but not for the reasons that you stated. I just think Keenan Allen's healthier. But I think the Chargers are going to also spread the ball around a lot. I think this is a game where they really try and um, get it to Mike Williams. They really try and get it to Hunter Henry. Um, they're going to obviously use Kalen Balazs this weekend. So I, I think this is a game that they're going to spread it around. The one other X factor to this is Jamison Crowder has played better when Sam Darnold has been the quarterback. And he's making a lot of short, easy throws. Sam Darnold is probably not going to play again this season. So I would imagine that Joe Flacco is going to probably try and throw the ball a little bit more down the field where he has a little bit better accuracy on his deep ball than he does on his short ball, which is counterintuitive, but somehow that's been the case for, I don't know what, 15 years that he's been in the league. So I I will go Allen as well, but it's kind of for the unusual reasons when you start to really think through everything. But frankly, I mean, you try and find a question about Jets Chargers. By the way, DK Metcalf into the end zone, three catches on the first drive, and uh, yeah, touchdown, Seahawks. So that's your live update on a podcast you're going to be listening to after the game, and you've probably already seen it in real time. Packers at Colts. This game got flexed into the late games, and this is featuring uh, a top offense versus a top defense. Uh, The Colts have been the top fantasy defense this season. The Packers have probably been one of the top fantasy offenses, probably in the top three, I would say. And the Packers have been pretty well defined the last few weeks by the running backs going up against them. So given the instability that the Colts defense, or not the Colts defense, the Packers defense has had, and the Colts' backfield problems, Who do you end up envisioning having the bigger game? Jonathan Taylor, who may be dealing with an injury, but we're not sure, or Jordan Wilkins? Can I pick Hines, or do I have to pick these two? I'm going Hines. I think Hines, uh, he's clearly had the hotter hand lately. Uh, He's quicker, and the Packers have a hard time stopping quick, shifty backs. 
We saw Delvin Cook run over them twice now this year. I mean, the first game wasn't as big, but the second game he went crazy. Uh, the Packers just aren't fast enough on that side of the ball, and I think out of all of those running backs that the Colts have, Hines is the quicker, faster one. So I'm going to go Hines just because he's going to cut through the Packer defense. I think the Colts are going to really try and make a statement in being physical, try and amp or amp their way up into the playoffs. And I expect that they envision they're going to need Jonathan Taylor when it gets to those late games in January, February, where it's cold. And so I think this is a game they're going to give him a lot of carries. And by sheer volume, I end up expecting he's either going to sink or swim finally, and they're going to know exactly what they have in Jonathan Taylor to end the season. So if he doesn't have a big game in this one, I think he's droppable in most redraft leagues if he hasn't been already. All right. More likely, though, this is the big matchup of the game. Aaron Rodgers, top five quarterback on the season. Indianapolis, the top fantasy defense in the league. Which of the two is more likely to finish top five at their position this weekend? I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers, and it's only because I think the Packers still win this game, and I think it's hard to be a top-five defense if you end up losing. We know how good the Colts' defense is, but I still expect the Packers to win this game. Maybe they use a little bit more of Aaron Jones this week than they have because it's starting to get towards the end of the year, but I still think Aaron is going to hit Devontae Adams a couple times for big games, and I think uh, Alan Lazard is back as well. Uh, So I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. You are correct that Alan Lazard is back. Uh, Currently, Robert Tanyan is off the injury list, but Devontae Adams hasn't practiced the last couple of of days, so I don't know if that's just to try and save him for the weekend. We know that he was dealing with a tweaked ankle over the weekend, but he did return to that game, so you expect him to play, but give me the Colts' defense. I have not seen anything out of the Packers resembling what they were earlier in the year when they were effective enough at the running game to really set up their play action passing. And they're kind of having to resort to the Rodgers of old where he's going uh, four wide, three wide and really spreading the ball around. And I don't think even the inclusion of Alan Lazard, who gives Rodgers a lot more confidence, he's a safety net player in a lot of ways uh, for the Packers. I think if they would have rather had one of the two Uh, secondary wide receivers out, they would have taken Valdez Scantling because Alan Lazard has Aaron Rodgers' trust, which he's clearly been missing for the last, I don't know, what what has it been, half a dozen weeks or so. But I think the Indianapolis defense is really good, and they really limit teams, and I'm not expecting the Packers to uh, be close in this one, let alone win it. I think they get embarrassed in prime time yet again. All right, so let's move to Cowboys at Vikings. Uh, This is featuring probably the fantasy MVP yet again, our Dalvin. But it's also featuring your other running back, Ezekiel Elliott, as he's coming off the bye. We expect Andy Dalton to be back, but it's really a Dalvin game first and foremost. He sets the tone for everything the Vikings do and what uh, the tone of this game is going to end up being. Over under 20 total fantasy points for Dalvin Cook. The Cowboys gave up 34 points to Kenyon Drake. I am going over for Dalvin Cook. And if he's under, I, I hope that they were just up and they just took him out. Or And I hope it's not because he got hurt or something like that. But I feel safe about saying over 20 points for Dalvin Cook right now. 
I think Dale, Dallas played better against Pittsburgh their last game before the bye week, and they kind of shut down their running game, but that's not going to happen against Delvin Cook. I, there is nothing for me to say that Delvin's not going to have a big game, and unfortunately I think that has a drag-down effect on Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, who had good games the other night. Um, unfortunately, that is really not going to play well for Tom Terrific this week. Uh, he's um, really hoping that Delvin does not have one of his uh, more brilliant 200-yard multiple touchdown performances yet again. But, you know, I, I think that's more likely than not. Uh, yeah, he can save him. He can save him for weeks 15 and 16. How about that? I'd be okay with that. Um, yeah. Tom Terrific would prefer to win as opposed to lose. But then again, if it's a choice between that and a potential playoff win, I think it's obviously no question. Is there a Cowboys player, though, against, you know, I know the Vikings defense has been better the last few weeks, but is there a Cowboys player you feel great about playing this weekend? No, I honestly think I am sitting Zeke this week as well. We've only we only saw Andy Dalton for a couple of quarters, right? In his first game, he wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't finish the whole game. I think he got hurt in his first game and he didn't look amazing. He didn't look great where it was like, yeah, everything's going to be okay. Even though he's probably one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league. I need to see something from him to make me feel like, okay, they're not going to just load the box so I can start Zeke. Cause that's just basically what's been happening when he's been playing and okay, he can still throw a football decently well and decently accurate. I can start Amari. I can start a CD lamb. Uh, so right now I think I'm, I'm I think I'm going to give it a week before so I can see the real Cowboys and how they do against a pretty decent Viking defense. This is an unusual scheduling matchup in the Vikings coming off of a Monday night game and Dallas coming off of their bye week. So I think that might come into play in a year where it's been kind of the any given Sunday attitude. So it's possible one of these guys ends up popping, but I don't think you can say with any certainty who it's going to be. And I would expect that if the Vikings end up running this game, end up really controlling the offensive tempo of what's going to happen, that the Cowboys are going to be playing garbage time football, at which point you're saying, okay, maybe one of the receivers, but which one? I mean, it's really hard to tell which one you should be putting in your lineup. At best, you'd be putting one in a flex position and hoping. And that's not a position I really feel great about when there are a lot of other options right now available. Chiefs at Raiders. I don't know if this game is going to continue to go on. Right now it's scheduled for Sunday night football. This was obviously a Raiders upset earlier on in the season. It was a great fantasy output for pretty much everybody involved. But the Raiders have like seven guys uh, out of uh, 11 on COVID list right now. Now they have a chance at playing because I think some of these guys were uh, high-risk contacts uh, because they were having stuff in uh, group meetings or position groupings. Uh, and so maybe they're going to be able to play, but... This game is so up in the air that anything we say could be moved, and that's not great for me as a Patrick Mahomes owner um, in a game that I expect the Chiefs to have full attention and really um, be setting a tone this weekend in uh, making up for the Raiders game they lost at home a couple of weeks back. But we still have to talk about it as if it's going to happen. So 
Josh Jacobs had a resurgent game last week. CEH has been a really good rusher this year, but he hasn't gotten the volume we were expecting in a Chiefs offense that we thought he'd be hugely productive coming in. However, the Chiefs are probably going to be coming out of the bye week with a new emphasis on doing several different things. I think one of them is going to be running the football, which they seem to do more of as the year goes on. Um, Just look at their playoff games last year with Damian Williams. So do you expect CEH or Josh Jacobs to have the bigger game in this matchup? Well, CEH wasn't at practice today. I think he's dealing with an illness or something like that. Um, But I'm still going to answer this question as if he was playing full go and everything like that. And I'd still take Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs, I think, is starting to come into his own. Uh, He's uh, towards the top half in the league in rushing as well. He's sitting at number four with 700 yards rushing. It's just his yards per carry haven't been amazing. And he also he's got eight rushing touchdowns as well right there with Derrick Henry. So he's quietly having a very, very good year. Uh, it's just the the numbers aren't eye-popping. So I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs because uh, CEH is really kind of taking a back seat with all the hands in the cookie jar, if you will, now that they have so many running backs in Kansas City. With so many Raiders potentially set to miss the game on the defensive side of the ball, it may be very hard for the Raiders to stop much of anything from a Chiefs offense that is obviously a juggernaut. But I also didn't know about the CEH thing, so that's new to me in the moment here. And yet, I still expect the Raiders have been really defined the last few weeks. They've really made a dedication and a volume play at the run, not just with Josh Jacobs, but Devontae Booker as well. And the way to beat the Chiefs defense this year has not been through the air. It's been pounding away at them on the ground and then taking shots in the play action game, which the Raiders did to great effect in the first matchup. So I think that with the amount of volume that Josh Jacobs is likely to see in this game, I will go with him as well, assuming that CEH is fine and healthy. But that is kind of where my head is at. As far as most of the rest of these uh, let's say chief studs, you're definitely starting them. And I would expect them all to have huge games. If this game ends up playing, this is also featuring what we would consider the top two tight ends in fantasy. And I feel a little bit stupid in asking this question because there's kind of a gap between Travis Kelsey and everybody else, but more potential targets in this game, Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller. Uh, it's going to be Travis Kelsey for me. The difference between the yards for these two guys is about 300 yards. And the difference between targets is only five. That's crazy. Travis Kelsey is operating at a wide receiver level uh, in res- or in production. Uh, he's just been that good. I feel like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle are in a tier of their own. And then you drop about three tiers and then that's where the rest of the tight ends are. So I'm going to go Travis Kelsey. Had this been last season, I think you could have made a really credible argument because Darren Waller, I think, had the most targets at tight end last year. But this is a different year. And with the Raiders' new emphasis on running the football, I think the Chiefs are going to end up throwing it a lot more than the Raiders. Thus, I'm going to give the target advantage to Travis Kelsey. And I don't think it ends up being particularly close. All right. Let's get to what I have pegged as my game of the week. I think it might be the toughest game. I don't think it'll be the most exciting game because I don't expect a ton of big plays unless you like defense. 
the Rams are playing in Tampa Bay against the Buccaneers on Monday night. If I gave you one running back to pick from this game, given the instability of both backfields, which one player would you bet on to end up finishing the week on top from these two teams? The first thing is I'm not betting. I'm not. It's a hypothetical. You're not betting with real money. I understand that. But last week, what was the running back breakdown? One had 10, one had eight. The other one had eight, right? From the Rams. It was quite obvious Ronald Jones had, like, I think he was running back three on the week. So for that, I'm not picking any of the Rams. So then that only leaves me with the Buccaneers backfield. I'm going to go with Ronald Jones because I feel like I've been higher on Ronald Jones than a lot of other people have been between the summer till now. And I feel like, yes, he had a 92-yard run, but he still had 190-some yards rushing, you know? So he was still productive with all the other rushes that he had. I feel like if you're the Buccaneers, you need to feed the guy. I feel like he is your running back. Stop messing around with Leonard Fournette. Stop messing around with everybody else that you have there, and you need to take advantage of Ronald Jones because I think he is a good one. I think this game is defined by who's the more physical team. And in that case, I totally agree with you. I wouldn't take any of the Rams this weekend. The only guy that I think would get a vote is Ronald Jones because right now I think he's running back nine on the entire year. And given that they've swapped around guys, that's really hard for me to take in because, like I said before on a recap episode a couple of days ago, I think Ronald Jones, uh, or I was really high on him several weeks back to be a really um, talented into the second half guy for fantasy purposes. So it's been kind of upsetting that he hasn't gotten his full workload. But in a game where he's going to have to be the tone setter for what I think Tampa is going to want to do on offense, I would expect him to set uh, uh, the Tampa Bay offense and really pace their um, offensive output this weekend. Yeah, I mean, Ronald Jones, he's number three in the league in rushing right now behind Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry. Granted, he's like 200 yards behind them. But for everybody in the league that has at least 700 yards rushing, which there's four people, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Ronald Jones, Josh Jacobs, he is 40, he's 30 to 40 carries behind the next closest guy. He has 143 carries. The next closest guy is Dalvin Cook with 174. And then Josh Jacobs has 182 carries and he only has 700 yards rushing. So I just you got to you need to take advantage of the year that Ronald Jones is having. So I, I think the Buccaneers need to get their shit together and they need to feed Ronald Jones. So just for a quick game update in a podcast that you'll be listening to after the game has already been played. Yep. The Cardinals have gone three and out to start this game. And then went three and out a second time. Uh, Kyler Murray's already been sacked twice. So. Uh, with that, there's a nice little transition. I think this game is really defined, though, on defense, not the Seahawks, Cardinals, but rather the Rams, Buccaneers. Who do you expect to have more sacks in this game, the Rams defense or the Bucks defense? I'm going to go the Rams defense because they have the best defensive player in the league on their team, but also because Tom Brady is not as mobile as Jared Goff. I'm not saying Jared Goff is mobile by any stretch of the imagination, but he can move better than Tom Brady can. Uh, So I'm going to go with the Rams defense. Well, 
it's not hard to move faster than Tom Brady, who looks like he needs to throw from his walker. But all right. I'm going to take the Rams too, and it's for the exact same reason. Aaron Donald always bet on the guy on the team with Aaron Donald. Uh, all right, so let's move to underrated stud of the week. I have Mike Williams. Uh, I expect that the entire San Diego offense is going to have a huge output against the Jets this weekend. I think he ends up having a fairly long touchdown in this game. Uh, we haven't seen it from Justin Herbert now that he's been matched up against a little bit tougher defenses the last few weeks. He still put up decent stats, but I expect him to light up the Jets this weekend at home. Give me Mike Williams in a uh, p- potential top five wide receiver role. Who do you have? I'm going to go with Damian Harrison it's a, for the exact reasons we talked about earlier today. The Texans, they give up the third most points to running backs. Six out of the nine teams that the Texans have played against uh, have gone over 100 yards rushing. That's just one running back. So uh, I'm going to go with Damian Harris uh, with the Patriots. If I knew he was playing, I might suggest DeAndre Swift. But given the news this afternoon, I am not particularly confident in him playing this weekend. But that's another guy. If he's uh, on fire, he could really uh, have a big game. Similarly, you know, maybe if uh, he's out, Adrian Peterson might be worth a good flex look. Game of the week, I already gave mine the Rams at Buccaneers. Buccaneers are currently favored by four. What is your game of the weekend? My game of the week is the same thing that I have for the upset of the week, which is Arizona and Seattle. Seattle is favored by three points. I know that they are winning right now by seven, but I think that Arizona comes back and they cover that three. Good pick, good pick. Uh, I have a couple of different interesting uh, upsets of the week. The Bengals are currently giving one and a half points to Washington on the road. I think that the Bengals have enough offense to upset the Washington football team, the dumbest name in professional sports. And uh, I also like the Texans um, giving two to the Patriots at home, which to me seems a little odd, given that I think the Texans have more firepower on offense. I know they have the worst defense, but it's not like the Patriots are world beaters. So give me the home team in that one. I think the Texans end up prevailing, not by an, an or a lot, but, you know, give me the Texans in the points. All right. Uh, league preview matchups. Tom Terrific is taking on Ed Winters. That should be a close and um, kind of difficult game to predict. Uh, there are kind of a lot of different balls in the air for that particular game. Uh, given that I have a lot of crossover between um, my opponents this weekend and my own teams, um, it's not a, a game that I can feel uh, terribly confident in. Uh, currently, I have Hi- Carlos Hyde going, and he has 2.3 points already uh, on the Seattle uh, first quarter. Uh, we still have three minutes left in the first quarter there. But I think we'll move to my uh, what I would consider probably the game of the weekend Akron Pro is taking on LDH. Both teams are kind of banged up at the moment, and uh, both have kind of been surging at different points the last couple of weeks. LDH had a bad game last weekend. Akron Pro's got back on the um, up and up with a a really decent win to cement their um, qualifications for the playoffs. I think these are two teams that could be very potentially dangerous uh, moving forward, uh, depending on who they're playing. I don't know if they have enough to win three weeks in a row, but these are very dangerous teams that could really upset anybody if uh, they get in the right week and the right set of matchups. So uh, figuring out which of these two teams really uh, puts 
their foot forward going toward the playoffs, I think is going to be interesting. Dynasty football team has already locked up a playoff spot, but they're trying to basically ensure that Rogers Rabbits uh, ends up in the lottery system for the Dynasty League this year. They're taking them on and uh, projected to beat them rather soundly. New Boot Goofin, the last place team in the league, is taking on Shad Dynasty, the first place team in the league. I don't think there should be too many surprises in that one. If there are, I'm going to be heavily laughing by the time Sunday night hits. And Dumpster Fire, the second worst team in the league, is taking on uh, what I consider to be the best team in the league, King in the North. Uh, and I don't expect there to be too many surprises in that one. The either. best team in the league. Unbelievable. I said what I considered. That is a IMO, in my opinion. It's anyway. okay. All right. Thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We appreciate you. We will be back again next week to recap this weekend for you, including the finality of the uh, Seahawks and Arizona game that is currently going on. We'll be able to give you a little bit more accurate information, which uh, you will already know about by that point. But until then, wear a mask, everybody. Good luck this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Stay safe, everyone. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our technical provider and distributor is Anchor FM.